The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network and TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegrillposition.com and a proud part of the Roy Network. Also presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. And now also in association with IndiePW.com. We are sponsored by CollarNevilleBrand.com where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. And in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape by using promo code JKPODCAST. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at the tb talk pod to listen to the podcast you can find us on podbean apple Podcasts, google podcasts and all those other podcatchers out there as always i'm big joe and i'm carl caravel all right carl another week has come and gone in the world of professional wrestling you may have heard a couple of stumbles in the uh, in the intro there i'm still getting used to doing two shows on the regular here where i have uh, an intro for htm tech and now an intro and also an intro for turnbuckle talk so yeah as reading through them i almost kind of like I'm still kind of getting the mindset of the previous show and vice versa. So it's, it's still uh, going through some, uh, some, uh, some growing pains with this stuff there. So, but uh, let's that's, get... that's perfectly fine because yeah. I would rather people actually get a live version of what we do as opposed <laughs> yeah. to us just recording something and then kind of putting it out there for you. Like the same thing. Absolutely. Every time, every week, <laughs> we need to have that inflection in our voices and let the people hear it. Right. Absolutely. So all good. Okay. Let's get into some wrestling discussion here, and let's get to one of the main topics here. We're talking WWTLC. Um, this is Monday, so it just happened last night. Um, I got to to watch a good portion of the show. Um, it was interesting. Let's put it that way. What I'm finding very interesting about this is that I've kind of gone through and I've taken a look at a few different websites to kind of see um, how they were perceiving things and how they were kind of grading things. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, no name pre-show match stuff um, There's one seems pre-show to match. have been like the best stuff from this pay-per-view tonight <laughs> or last night. Oh, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, I think I might uh, have some surprising opinions on this, but we'll, we'll definitely get to that. So you mentioned pre-show, only one pre-show match. We had Umberto Carrillo versus Andrade, and they went about just shy of 13 minutes, actually. This was a match I did not get a chance to see, uh, but Umberto defeating Andrade in that pre-show match, and only the one. That's right. And and to give you people an idea of, of how hyped this crowd was mm-hmm. just for the, even this pay-per-view to really happen, um, there was a this is awesome chant going on yeah. during the pre-show match. <laughs> and I love this idea of only having one match um, because it, it allows a little bit more for you know the actual pay-per-view considering... As we talked about last week, we really didn't know very much about the matches happening on this pay-per-view. Yeah. So, first main show match here, we had The New Day 
which was, uh, in this case, Biggie and Kofi Kingston. I, I guess Xavier is still out of action versus The Revival. Uh, and this was a ladder match. This wasn't a TLC match, uh, so to speak, uh, even though technically it kind of turned into that uh, for the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Um, went just shy of 20 minutes, and I got to say, um, this was a pretty good match. I thought they, they did some pretty good stuff here. Um, a lot of big spots. I mean, when you see Kofi, or sorry, not Kofi, Biggie, in one of these styles of matches uh, where it's a little bit uh, extreme, um, he's fun to watch. He kind of puts it all in the line and uh, puts his body through a lot. So the, the dives to the outside and hitting the ground so hard as he does. Uh, he's, he's always impressive to watch. And uh, this is a good, solid tag team match. I'm usually not a fan of these type of, of things, as you'll see kind of uh, uh, at the end of this here. But yeah, I thought they, they did pretty decent here. I think a lot of people maybe just kind of slept on this one or didn't think much of it, but I thought it was solid. Me as well. Everything about this was really good. I mean, this is going back to a little bit of the, uh, not necessarily hardcore, but a little bit more of that ladder match yeah. style. So we're looking like, uh, I'm just going to give a couple quick things here. Big E set up three different ladders and there were three ladders in the ring. Uh, we saw a suplex on top of the ladders and yeah. then a splash that left the apparatus is all like bent in half. Yeah. Um, Kofi balancing himself on the top rope after hopping off of a ladder. Uh, leapt into a tornado DDT, hit trouble paradise, troubled in paradise. Yep. Big ending from nearly the top rung of the ladder. Yep. Um, Kofi Kingston then secured the victory when he smashed, you know, the two belts against uh, Scott Dawson's face. <laughs> allowed Kingston to grab the titles. New Day retains. A strong match going on right there, and that's only a little bit of kind of the highlights of really what had happened in this. So. If you haven't seen this for a tag team match, very well done. Go and check it out. That was one of the few high points uh, for the evening, for sure. Uh, next up, we had Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy. This went all of about uh, thir- just shy of 14 minutes, uh, exactly uh, 13 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, just a regular singles match. Um, this was, was pretty good. It was one of those ones where... It would have been nice if there would have been some more kind of build-up again to this. It just feels like a thrown-together match. Uh, these two guys uh, put on a decent match, just there wasn't a whole lot of emotional emotional investment in it whatsoever. So, it, uh, yeah. yeah. It, not to take anything away from the physicality and the work in the ring, that, that that's all good from both guys. Just it's one of those ones where, as good as it was, I didn't really care. So, and sad to say. unfortunately, a lot of people felt that way as well. And I mean, this is, um, I mean... It's hard because we we all know the caliber of work that Alistair Black can yep. can put out, and we all know the caliber of work that Buddy Murphy can put out. Both of them are amazing, amazing stars in that ring. Um, yeah, so it's just it's hard. It's very very weird. That's mm-hmm. all. And then we had the Viking Raiders, uh, Eric and Ivar. I'm still not a fan of uh, calling those guys. Uh, uh, Viking Raiders is fine, but uh, I thought changing their names is still kind of weird. I, I'm still not a fan of that. Versus the OC, uh, which is uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. This ending in a double countout uh, for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Just uh, These guys can uh, do so much more than this. I thought uh, this was just kind of a fill-some-time match, uh, kind of right in the middle of the card, which is exactly where this is placed. So. Definitely it was. There was a lot of good stuff that could have happened. Um, Yeah, this whole double count out thing, Mm -hmm. worst way that they could have done that. Uh, I mean, this was probably one of the one of the low points to this entire pay-per-view, unfortunately. 
Then we had King Corbin versus, um, or he goes by many names. Uh, the other name that uh, he goes by that we've used on the HTM podcast, and I can't really repeat on the show since we try and stay a little PG on this program, but I think you guys can kind of see uh, where I'm going with that, versus Roman Reigns. And this was a, a TLC match, uh, just over 22 minutes for this. Uh, King uh, Baron Corbin getting the win over Roman Reigns. Um, again, this is something that... Maybe I would know a bit more about this if I would tune into week to the weekly programming. But I mean, a lot of these matches that were thrown together kind of in the last week before the show. So again, not much emotional investment. And Roman Reigns apparently job into mid carters now. Yeah, I mean that's exactly the way that it seems. Um, I mean, we had uh, you know just just a. Uh, uh, I don't even know what to say. Like, this yeah. is just terrible. Like, are we seriously burying Roman Reigns after like everything it. that was done to really build this guy up yep. here? Um, you know, it was just ridiculous to see. Now, I understand we're building Baron Corbin up. I get that. Uh, but was this really the way to do it? Like, to go this hard and this heavy right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. And just especially with everything that's been going on lately with, like, you know, Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler and, you know, kind of this this mutual respect that the two of them have for each other. And then, you know, yeah. Dolph Ziggler actually getting involved in this match. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks with the whole dog food and, and all of this stuff, like it's <laughs> OK, we get Stupid it now. Dude. Are we done with this now? Can yeah. we let and I'm not a huge Roman Reigns fan, but can we can we let Roman Reigns now move on to maybe something a little bit better than this? King Corbin crap. Yeah. Another thing to briefly mention too, uh, I believe it was during the, the Viking Raiders in the, uh, the OC match. I forgot to mention it. I'm pretty sure it was that one where they had people at ringside sitting, eating Kentucky fried chicken. Uh, supposedly as some type of sponsorship. Oh, this match is brought to you by Kentucky fried chicken. Oh, like that kind of stuff. It just said, um, my head almost explodes just thinking about it. I mean, it just, it's, are we really doing this type of stuff again? Yep, we definitely are. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Nothing against Kentucky Fried Chicken. I, I, I like their product, but really to have a, like a product placement like that at a ringside during uh, a mid-card tag team match, just very bizarre. Uh, I thought that was so oddly placed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, had it been like... Um... You know, kind of, kind of up in the rafter, like up, up in the skybox sure. or something, yeah. and you're panning up to that, and you're seeing like, you know, a couple superstars that that were not on the show up there eating Kentucky Fried Chicken, watching this, you know, intently <laughs> watching what's Baron Corbin gonna do to Roman Reigns, or or yeah. what's that, what's happening, right? Like something like that, I I could get behind, I can understand, but to have Absolutely. it right out at ringside, come on. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that idea. I'm sure some people dug it, but just uh, you know, my cup of tea. Um, next up, we had, in my opinion, probably the, the biggest high point for uh, the evening here. We had Bray Wyatt versus The Miz in a, in a singles match. And this went just uh, shy of seven minutes. But the interesting thing with this match is they finally uh, did a match with just the Mr. Rogers-type character of Bray Wyatt. It was very interesting the way they presented him in the ring. Um, he ended up getting the win over the, the Miz here, in a fairly, like I said, in a fairly short match. And then the surprise came. Uh, the lights kind of went dark, and then people, I guess, were expecting The Fiend or maybe somebody else uh, kind of dressed like The Fiend to come in. We see kind of a hooded figure come and hit a basically a flying knee, and we see Daniel Bryan, which was very, very cool. 
But on top of it, we saw a a almost clean shaven Daniel Bryan. So uh, looking almost kind of like a American Dragon uh, style uh, Daniel Bryan. I think this is something is long overdue for him to have a bit of a uh, change to his look. He it just it looks a lot more dare I say presentable now. The 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 full kind of beard uh, hippie kind of thing. I think it was kind of growing stale. So it's good to see him kind of looking just like a like a regular dude again. Definitely it is, and I think that uh, this is something that clearly the Daniel Bryan, uh, Bray Wyatt feud is going to continue. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. I understand. But I don't know. I just, I'm not not invested in this at all. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. Did I love seeing just Bray Wyatt? Definitely. That was fantastic. And on our last episode that's something that we even talked about we mm-hmm. said that, that that's what they should be doing kind of like like yep. you had said this mr rogers thing mm-hmm. like that was fantastic i love it mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. but i mean just everything just really seemed to be uh, disjointed within this entire thing and yep. i mean short of daniel bryan coming in and that that new look and this new kind of attitude from him Really, there was nothing else in this that that was any good. I think. Yeah, I think they did a fair amount of business there, and they're setting something up. So I, I understand it. Uh, it almost looks like uh, Daniel might even be aligned with the the Miz now. So we'll see how that kind of is going forward. Um, after that, we had <laughs> we had a tables match um, between Bobby Lashley, who of course had uh, Lana at ringside with them, uh, versus Rusev. Uh, this match going just shy of fourteen minutes. Um, this storyline just right from day one has done absolutely nothing for me. At this point, they, they should have given Rusev kind of to finally get the, the one up on Bobby Lashley. Not the case. Uh, Bobby Lashley getting the win over him. Um, I, I'm, I'm way, way past being done with this storyline. <laughs> These guys. Yeah. I mean, my, me too. I mean, I hope that the feud is over. Like just, just. Yeah. Just let it be over. Now, what, what I'm interested to know is, did they go to a judge to get this, um, uh, you know, this, uh, what is it here? Um, what is that thing called, Joe? Talking in an almond? Restraining order. Restraining order, yeah. Yes. Um, like, was it lifted for them to be able to do this? If it wasn't, why was nobody arrested? <laughs> we have to why, why was, disbelief. you know, like that's been yeah. the story throughout this entire thing right. is this whole, yeah. you know, Lana is divorcing Rusev and going with Bobby Lashley now. And, uh, you know, the restraining order was put in <laughs> and then there was all these arrests that happened. But, yeah. Oh, it's OK. They can have a match together. That's perfectly fine. Right. Like what judge in their right <laughs> mind would allow something like this? Right. Come on. It makes absolutely no sense at all. It's um, just, yeah. It's just, a, just the, the flawed logic with this whole thing. I mean, like I said, the, the, at the start of this whole thing, we had, OK, so you're cheating on your screw with my wife. So what am I going to do to get back at you? I'm going to pin you in a wrestling ring. What? Like it just it's the, and and if there's these all these other restraining orders and things stopping him, I'm like so like you said this match then shouldn't have happened because they they shouldn't have been able to even be in the same space together. But again, we have to suspend disbelief in the Vince McMahon world when it comes to this stuff. That's right, and I mean something that that as <laughs> well that was kind of just just kind of head scratch. So we're looking. Um, from what I'm seeing here, uh, you know, Rusev defeats Bobby Lashley in the tables match and then, you know, kind of 
the first table didn't break. Luckily, there was, you know, some the first table was supposed to break. It okay, didn't. Yeah. There was, you know, something else they prepared, done, whatever. Um, but after the match, a fight breaks out backstage between Roman Reigns, the New Day, Shorty G, the Revival, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and the Street Profits. Yep. And it seems that all of this is going to lead to some sort of tag team match on SmackDown. I'm sure it will. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, yep, definitely a head scratcher. Um, <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> so to end off the evening here, Carl, uh, this was, uh, you may not feel the same way uh, as me on this, but for me, this was the ultimate low point for, for the night here. We had uh, the Kabuki Warriors. I can't stand that name. Uh, Asuka and Kari Sane versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. This match went 26 minutes. This was a TLC match for the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, for me, you may disagree with me, Carl, and other people. I think that they did way, way too much. There's too many risky spots, but putting people in danger. Um, Charlotte throwing uh, the tablet at uh, Curry's uh, head. She has a concussion now, uh, thanks to that. Uh, just a total disregard for uh, other people's safety in the ring here. The, this kind of stuff for me is inexcusable. Yeah, just I don't really care who you are. Like yeah. everything was just sort of all over the place with mm. this. Now I understand it's a tables, ladders, and chairs match. I get it, but it just seems like, like you said, total disregard for absolutely anything. Yeah. Um, it just... It seemed like a huge cluster. Oh. That's that's really about it. Now, other people are saying that this was great. They loved it. Good to see uh, the Kabuki Warriors retain. It seemed as though they were going to put the belts on to, you know, Becky Lynch and Charlotte, but they didn't. Okay, that's awesome. They were put over with a fair victory. Cool. But, I mean, just the whole thing just looked sloppy. And especially little Curry scene. I mean, she's just not built for this style of match. You're just asking too much of somebody like this. Um, and she's a great talent in the ring, but she's she's not a hardcore style wrestler. And just putting these people in this position, it's just a recipe for disaster. And we saw what happened there. I mean, hopefully she'll be okay long term. But uh, a concussion, that's... Um, you can't take too many of those. Uh, it's very dangerous. And uh, I, w- I would hope that Charlotte uh, apologized <laughs> backstage for that because, I mean, that was just total disregard for um, your uh, the other people in, in the ring, or in this case, outside of the ring, like just chucking that, that tablet and just whack right in the side of the head. I mean, that made me cringe. So, Right. Uh, so now I wonder, because this kind of seemed really out of place and everything as well, right? Yeah. So we're, we're ending with, you know, four of the top female workers in the business right now, um, or in the WWE, I'm mm-hmm. going to say, not the business, but the WWE. Um, but then after the match, that <laughs> brawl that we were talking about continues, yeah. continued, yeah. and we see Roman Reigns spearing Baron Corbin into the mob of wrestlers mm-hmm. uh, who were involved. Um, yeah. And that's how the show ends. That's how the show ends. What? <laughs> that, that's that's yep. that's a theme for for this entire show. Mm-hmm. What? Yep. Yeah. If, if I'm booking this stuff, I'm ending with either the um, the match with New Day and the Revival, or I'm ending with uh, Miz and in, in, in Bray Wyatt, uh, ending with the the S Chance or something positive or something like that. But uh, to end with this uh, women's tag team match and then to immediately flip to something else that's been kind of going to end the show. Yeah, I'm as confused as you are on that one. That's that's a real head scratcher. I'm definitely not a fan of that. Yeah, it definitely seems as though that this pay per view, sure, it was you know it's the last pay per view, um, you know, of the year. Um, 
I think that that and now this is just me talking here, yeah. but I think that they really should have done something a lot more with this, mm-hmm. considering you know this was the pretty much this is the last show of the year that's going to happen for, in a pay per view standpoint. Is this really how we want to end the year? And even the entire decade <laughs> that has been professional wrestling in the WWE. Yep. This is how we're ending the year and ending. the decade of WWE. <laughs> Maybe, though, as we've seen, we had the good points at the beginning and we had the crap at the very end. So, yes, this is a direct correlation between <laughs> the beginning of the decade for the WWE and the end of the decade for the WWE, where we had great at the beginning of the decade and crap at the end. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just, it's a, 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 it is what it is. That's the way they want to do their stuff. That's the way they do it. Uh, it's got, it's got me turned off and uh, I'm definitely not the only one. Um, you know what? I am as well. Let's move on from this crap yes. to maybe something a little bit better. Yeah, good segue there, Carl. Let's talk a little Ring of Honor final battle. Um, yes, we're talking about some Ring of Honor. Uh, despite all of the negativity that's been going with this company and those involved with it, um, before we get into the details, I thought overall they pulled off a pretty good show here. It was a perfect no wrestling show is. There are definitely some some low points. But let's get to, to the... I'm going to... We'll go through uh, the pre-show matches fairly quickly because I want to get to to the main stuff here. Um, first up, we had a tag team match with uh, Silas Young uh, and Josh Woods versus Dalton Castle and Joe Hendry. A good, solid, uh, just shy of 10-minute tag team match. Uh, Silas and Josh Woods getting the win over those two guys. Uh, we had Kenny King versus Rhett Titus uh, going just over 11 minutes. That was actually... Um, Probably the be- one of the best uh, matches of the pre-show. Those two guys, um, Red Titus. If you've only if you've watched a lot of Ring of Honor, you typically kind of just see him doing the uh, coming out and posing and doing the little stuff at um, a commentary and just kind of flexing and doing his thing. When he actually gets a chance to work in the ring, uh, he's pretty damn good. He's an extremely underrated talent when it comes to being in that ring. Definitely he is. I agree. <laughs> and then we had Jeff Cobb versus Dan Moff. Uh, this guy is apparently some. This is somebody I didn't really know all that much about, um, but apparently he's been around for a long time. And he's one of the one of these very mobile big dudes here. So this is just two hosses, just uh, just button heads, and uh, Jeff Cobb getting the win over uh, over him, and a pretty good solid match enough the pre-show. And in only eight minutes and fifty seconds, which mm-hmm. is all that you need, especially when you have two guys yep. that are this size that's all you need just quick heavy powerful getting in some good moves we all know what jeff cobb can do in the ring and it was so awesome to see dan maff who is is a veteran uh in the business really come back and and be in there as well so it was fantastic Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we had the the first um main show match with uh bandito and flamita versus Marty Skrull and Flip Gordon. Now, as we had kind of mentioned, this is apparently Marty's last match in, in Ring of Honor. And I will say the, the match is pretty decent, but it left me really kind of scratching my head, Carl. No, basically no kind of send off for Marty whatsoever in this. I, I was I was very surprised. It just kind of ended and Marty just essentially kind of left. 
Yeah, well, that's because we know that, uh, you know, the next night um, that they were doing tapings for television and that Marty was going to be at that taping. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's where we're going to see the send off. I think it's going to be more or less a, uh, you know, hey, I'm sorry, Flip. I'm sorry, Brody, but I can't do this anymore. I have to leave. This this is it. Um, you know, I, I lost this match at, uh, you know, final battle for us and, and I can't, I, I can't be, you know, held responsible for this. And I just feel so bad that you guys take things over. I, I, I can't do this anymore kind of thing. Right. Sure. Like that's how it seems like things are going to go. Um, but yeah, I think that that's why we didn't really see a, uh, send off of sorts for, uh, Marty Skrull as of yet. Since we're, we're at this, we might as well mention this now. Um, Marty ended up showing at the NWA Into the Fire show. This was a real surprise. Um, I don't think anybody kind of predicted this. I mean, we're all kind of predicting, hey, maybe he'll go to New Japan. Maybe he'll sign with WWE. Maybe he'll go with uh, his buddies over in AEW. I don't think anybody called him showing up in AEW. Or, sorry, uh, NWA. I'm getting, There's so many different companies out there. I'm getting confused now. Um, what I, I don't think anybody predicted that maybe Marty just wants to test out the indie uh, market and maybe just kind of appear all over the place. This is a strong possibility. It definitely is. And I think if if most companies are going to be open to that, mm-hmm. I think that this would be fantastic. Why can't we have, uh, you know, Marty in the NWA and doing stuff with uh, yep. AEW and doing stuff oh. with New Japan, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if he wants to go out there and work and get his name built up even more than it is right now, sure, why not? I'm 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 okay with that. Well, I think that would not involve, if if it's going to involve AEW, they're going to lock him down to that. Or at the very most, maybe let him go uh, compete over New Japan. But like I, I said, what, what he very well might do is just test out the indie market. Hell, he might show up at Ignite Wrestling. He might come up to CWE. Who knows? Maybe he wants to test out that market instead. Um, maybe he's made his money and he doesn't care if he goes to one of the big companies. That's a, that's a very strong possibility. I think that nobody's uh, uh, considering. Definitely. I mean, I, I wasn't considering that at all. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. So that they would be very interesting. Definitely. It would. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to see Marty live kind of in an intimate setting just out of nowhere. I think that'd be pretty damn cool. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so speaking of guys that have, uh, made kind of, uh, Local, especially for yourself, appearances, we had Vincent, who was actually just uh, recently at uh, the CW show that you had a chance to do commentary at, uh, versus Matt Taven in a singles match. Uh, going just shy of 14 minutes, this is a real high point for me for the the week here, Carl. I really, really enjoyed this match. They, they did some really good uh, business and kind of set up here. And uh, Vincent actually getting the win over Matt Taven, so this is not over. Yeah, it definitely is not over. I'm happy to see this. This is really going to be uh, a, a good classic back and forth type of feud that's going to be going on. And I'm super happy with that. What do you think about uh, the baby face version of Matt Taven? I'm digging it, to be honest with you. I didn't think that he's going to be able to pull it off, but yeah, I'm digging it. I, I'm i a little indifferent to it because I'm just not used to it right now. Right? <laughs> uh, is it cool? Definitely. It's, it's, yeah. it's cool. Um I want to see more of it. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I do. Uh, I just hope that it doesn't get, I don't know how to, how to explain that. I I, I hope that it doesn't get comedic though. Like I hope that it just stays like a, just a a good classic baby face and not into a, uh, over the top type of territory because we know that, you know, he, he wasn't an over the top heel. 
every he was just a classic heel. So mm-hmm. I want to see him do a classic face as well. Absolutely. So after that, we had a, a street fight um, between Mark Haskins, who um, actually had his his wife at, at ringside, uh, versus Bully Ray. And, and this actually ties into another uh, topic that I'll just kind of marry into this here, Carl. Um, this match was... Um, it, it got pretty crazy and it got very violent. Uh, even right at the, at the beginning, uh, Bully r- uh, running up with a uh, piece of plywood with barbed wire and just chucking it at him. Um, and another thing with this match too, and uh, this actually was um, pretty prevalent throughout the show here, um, Ring of Honor going very uncensored. Uh, there were a lot of very, very audible F-shots and other uh, profanities um, being uh, heard during the show. And uh, I, I think this is something that that they're consciously doing to maybe make themselves stand out a little bit. If they are, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I am. I mean, they they need to do something to rebuild. And if I it's going to take a little bit of a an edgier type of an approach to yeah. things, let them do that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't want that it becomes a constant thing, um, like some other companies that we that we can see out there. I'm not going to mention any names of them because yeah. that's just not what we do here. Mm-hmm. But there are other companies out there that. Are, are very R-rated and and they're they're always throwing down f bombs and you know uh, s bombs and you know <laughs> calling you know people a holes and yep. you know just all of this different stuff and then being very over the top and violent with their shows and matches. I, there's there's places for that. You, you have a niche market for that. Definitely yeah. there is, but I don't want to see Ring of Honor get to that point. Yeah, drop it a little bit on your pay per views. Yeah. But not on your main shows. <laughs> At one point, the um, there's um, I believe it was um, whoever was at ringside with uh, with Mark Haskins. Uh, Blue was up on the turnbuckle and, and uh, she got the, the the cheese grater and shoved it, you know where. And very loudly you hear uh, Blue Ray say, "My effing balls," very very audibly, right? So uh, they 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 seem to be really kind of pushing this, and we'll see if it benefits them. Because like we've said. Um, we haven't been talking a lot of Ring Honor lately because they've been quite frankly lost in the shuffle. So this kind of stuff um, can possibly bring some attention back to them. But like you said, just don't go too crazy. That's all I'll say. We don't want to turn uh, see them turn into an, maybe like an ECW. So yeah, and I mean you, you gotta you gotta remember too. Like this was in a Bully Ray match. Yes. that's Bully Ray. That's <laughs> that's definitely who he is. Yeah, always has been, always will be. He was very censored in the WWE. No. Now he has a platform where he doesn't have to be as censored. And we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're noticing that it's more happening during the pay-per-view stuff, um, you know, and when it does happen on regular television that they are censoring it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just kind of gives a little bit more into that. So this is who Bully Ray is. He's not going to change. Um, you know, we're, we're going to censor his, you know, stuff on, on television. Yep. But you're going to get full Bully Ray on pay-per-view. <laughs> so next up we had, in my opinion, um, actually probably the most interesting matchup for the for the evening here because I think that there's uh, some other implications with this that I think people are maybe missing. Uh, we, earlier in the evening, had Alex Shelley come out and challenge Cole Cabana to a, a singles match because apparently these two have never competed with each other in, in the ring. Now... What's interesting with this, because we had mentioned uh, on a previous episode here that that there might be some kind of possible working relationship between the WWE and Ring of Honor. Alex Shelley is currently a coach at the WWE Performance Center. 
So this is very interesting that he came out, challenged Cole Caban to a match, had a very um, relatively short, very technical back and forth kind of match. No, no big high spots or a lot of punching or kicking and stuff, just a lot of technical back and forth. Um, and Alex Shelley getting that win over Cole Cabana. And also, apparently, this is... Cole Cabana's uh, swan song in ROH, from, from what I've been seeing, um, this is he's basically done with the company as well. So some uh, there's a lot going on kind of surrounding this match. Alex Shelley coming in, that I, I didn't see coming because, like I said, he's a coach at the WWE Performance Center. Yeah, and that kind of leads a little bit more into the speculations of uh, WWE and Ring of Honor maybe having some sort of a working relationship together. And especially we've seen Cole Cabana uh, before Cole Cabana has done some little bit of WWE stuff before. Um, He's been pretty vocal in, you know, kind of being a little bit more anti WWE now. Mm -hmm. So if there is some sort of working relationship that kind of leads into a whole Cole Cabana saying, I, if, if this is, you know, who's going to be helping us out, I'm done. Like I'll go somewhere else. So kind of, yeah, weird, uh, especially Alex Shelley performance center Mm -hmm. and then Cole Cabana anti WWE ish. Right. And then him saying, well, I know I'm done. Yeah, because, I mean, Colt's pretty heavily involved with the NWA now, and he does do a lot of independent uh, dates and whatnot. He's even come here to, to Brantford, where I'm located. So, yep, uh, could very well be the case. Uh, we'll just This is something that we'll, we'll keep an eye on and see if it's actually the, the case. Um, next up, we had an interesting one. We had Maria Manic uh, finally making her Ring of Honor debut uh, versus Angelina Love, and this was uh, more or less kind of a... Um, <laughs> The, 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 this is rough. I mean, Angelina getting no offense in there whatsoever. This this was basically a just shy of seven minute squash match here. This was just Maria Manic just beating the piss out of her. <laughs> very very odd. Yeah. Now I understand that they're trying to make Maria Manic the 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 man eater. Yep. Okay. As as you know, it's it's on her on her stomach there, written out whatever. They're trying to make her the big star, um, and really put her over. We get it totally, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that that was, I don't know, just really odd. And notable, too, we had Teddy Hart at ring. Uh, he was basically in the crowd at, at ringside. I didn't get involved in one up, but they did show him uh, uh, on camera. And there's been some photos and stuff taken. Um, I hope that if they plan on using him, that they hold off for a while, just with all the negativity and the negative press that that guy has generated. Um, and she's been a little bit guilty of that as well with this YouTube channel and, uh, and whatnot that, if they plan to use him, just you need to hold off and let the heat kind of die down first before you bring him in, if if that's the case. Because if you bring him in too soon, I think it's going to have a really, um, there's going to be some backlash. <clears throat> Definitely, I think there would be. So, yeah, I think it's a, a good idea just to hold off on it right now. <laughs> for sure. Uh, next up we had for the ROH Television Championship, we had Dragon Lee versus Shane Taylor. Uh, very contrasting styles here. We had, uh, you know, a big kind of very reminiscent, I would say, of Big E um, with Shane Taylor and then Dragon Lee, very much the uh, the Mexican-style kind of high-flyer type of wrestler. Very interesting back and forth here. Um, Dragon Lee getting that ROH uh, television championship, which, I mean, makes sense because Shane Taylor is supposedly one of the guys leaving the company as well. That's right. Another speculation going on there yep. that he will be leaving the company. So, yeah, to give it to Dragon Lee, sure. Okay, why not? Yep. I'm okay with that. 
for sure. Nothing to write home about, but I'm okay with it. No, nope. I mean, Shane Taylor is always fun to watch in the ring. I think that regardless of where he goes, I think that he can likely probably do even better than where he did in Ring of Honor. Because I thought he did uh, rather well there. He brought some attention back to that title. But, uh, I mean, he's the kind of guy that can make an impact regardless of where you go. Maybe, maybe pun intended. Who knows? Yeah, um, right. <laughs> next up we had, this was... An odd one, because I, I should have really enjoyed this match, but it really just kind of felt like a filler to me. Uh, we had Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham versus the Briscoe Brothers for the ROH World Tag Team Championships. Lethal and uh, Gresham getting the win uh, with these two guys. It, it was good, but it's um, one of these ones, like I said, it just it kind of felt like a, just like a stopgap between what just happened and the main event. And that's unfortunate because, I mean all four of those guys in that ring can really go. This was something that, that uh, kind of looking at as uh, on paper mm-hmm. as being uh, like a main event, fantastic type of match. Unfortunately, it really didn't turn into that or didn't seem that way. So yeah, a little unfortunate to, to kind of see that, but um, that, I mean, it is what it is. Um, so now, now I have a question before we move on to the, yep. to, to, to the last match here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had the the world television championship. We had the tag team championships, um, and then we had uh, you know the final matches, the world championship. Yep. Um, what happened to the women's championship? Why was that not defended on this pay per view? Uh, it was vacated because remember Kelly Klein got uh, uh, released from the company, and she was the um, she was the the current champion, so she, it was vacant. Well, and, and and I totally get that, but why was there not something done for this? Like, why 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 did they not like? They should have used this, the final battle pay per view, the final yeah. one of the year, to crown a new women's champion going into twenty twenty. Yeah, to with you. me, that would have made made perfect sense, and they could have built around that. And and yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm a little upset that they didn't actually have you know, something for the women's championship on this show. This could be maybe they are maybe a little reluctant with Maria Manic. Like they, they did obviously put her over in this match, but with just some of the shanties going with her and her significant other, that maybe they're just um, cautiously kind of approaching this. And I, I get that approach. So as much as I would like to see a new champion crowned uh, at a final battle, I mean, it would have made sense, but I think maybe they're just, or they're, they're watching and see how this is going to kind of unfold before they make a move with her. Could very well be. And again, with, uh, with lethal and Gresham and Briscoe, the Briscoes, I think that this is one of those matches where I think it should have been safe for some other show or even the weekly show to make it a main event for something else. It's, it's one of these ones and WWE does this a lot. Well, they'll, they'll bury a fairly high uh, profile kind of match like that um, before something that's going to be even bigger than that. So it just, it, it gets totally outshined. Um, so yeah, I think this is one of those matches where I think it, it didn't even really need to be on this, uh, this card and they they could have placed it on weekly television or saved it for the next show. I agree. Yeah. So our main event, um, keeping in mind now that uh, I forgot to mention, this actually happened on Friday the 13th. So they actually called this the Friday the 13th no DQ match for the Ring of Honor World Championship with uh, PCO versus Roosh. This was really something here, Carl. They, They did quite a bit with this. My kind of issue with this is I think that they went a tad too far. And one spot that really, really made me nervous, if you haven't get a 
chance to, to, to see this. Um, I'll kind of try to explain the best I can. They, they, they did this, these series of spots where they had this, this hearse kind of out, um, uh, in, in the crowd. And then they did the spot where they piled up some of the, um, the, the barricades. Now, the way those barricades are set up, it's, they're basically like, um, like it's basically like a large kind of grill. And then they have these feet that kind of stick out. So they, they had these laid down, but then these feet are sticking up. And then these guys are like chucking each other onto this. What if you miss and you land on this piece of metal that's sticking straight up? I mean, that's going to go right through you. I, I thought that they, they, they did some dangerous spots here. And I think that there were some that were borderline careless here. That were somebody could have gotten seriously injured, even PCO, who is not human. Um, but to suspend disbelief there, I mean, in, in all reality, if he would have landed on that the wrong way, I mean, that would have just gone right through him. Definitely it would have. So. This was a little bit of an oversight uh, on the part of Ring of Honor management, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just it seemed very risky to do something like that. Yeah. They pulled it off, though. Thankfully, yep. nobody was, you know, like, uh, you know, severely injured from from that. Yep. But yeah, just a, just a little bit of an oversight. I mean, that's something that should have, uh, you know, maybe had, uh, you know, some of these without the feet kind of piled up underneath the ring or something like that. And yeah. then they could have been pulled out and used that way. Um, yeah, just just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, when, when you see PCO, I mean, you just, there's just no way of knowing if this is actually hurting him or not because he, he sells it uh, really well and sometimes no sells. I mean, just it's, you don't know, like this dude takes so much impact and he's not a spring chicken anymore. I mean, who knows like how much he's actually getting hurt. If, cause if he is, he's hiding it well. And yeah, just, it's, it's always crazy to watch that dude in the ring. And now he's the current ring of honor world champion. So go figure. That's right. And I mean, <laughs> some people are a little bit hated on this. Um, like they're like, Oh, do we really need a 52 or a 51 year old champion to mm. make ring of honor better and blah, blah, blah. You know what? The guy deserves it. PCO uh, Pierre Carl Ouellette has done so much from, you know, in the 80s, working with the WWE, coming all the way through and now, you know, becoming a, a world champion in Ring of Honor. Just give him, a, you know, a couple of months, let him be champ and uh, good to go from there. Right. I think the guy's okay. definitely proved himself. Yeah, I mean, the crowd is obviously over with him, too. I mean, he's almost kind of like their undertaker at this point. So, you know, he's done extremely well in there. The, the crowd loves him. Hell, why not put the title on? If I was uh, running the company, I he would be around the top of my list. Definitely. Okay, going uh, from that to, since we didn't really talk really any AEW here, I thought we would uh, discuss one guy in particular here. Now, we had made mention of him, but uh, I'm going to pose a question to you here, Carl. Is MJF possibly the best heel in the world of wrestling today? Yes. Um, I, I would have to say that he is. Um, can he be better? Definitely he can. And what I mean by that is that they, they really need to start kind of using the stuff that he's doing a little bit better. Yep. Um, instead of having like a bunch of his promos on just YouTube yes. or, or just on social media, yeah. put them on the show, actually let this guy get his promos over because his promo work is on point really 100%. So definitely we need to start allowing, um, MJF to, to kind of be on that television screen a little bit more, even if it's just a 45 second, uh, you know, promo that he's cutting, 
let him do it because he is fantastic with it. He is definitely the crowd is seeing him as a heel 100 percent. They are behind MJF as heel. I'm loving the entire thing with MJF right now. The most recent promo that he did on on Dynamite, very reminiscent, uh, making reference to Roddy Roddy Piper and whatnot. So definitely some great stuff there. And uh, yeah, he's killing it right now. And just I hope they can keep the momentum going with that. Uh, They've got a good thing going there. So yeah, really curious to see. And and I I definitely agree. Um, And and then this brings up what we had mentioned on our previous episode too, with a lot of the stuff happening not on television, happening on social media and YouTube or whatnot. Some of his best promos, a lot of people have even seen because maybe yeah. they're, they're not uh, aware that these videos are dropping on YouTube or on social media and whatnot. So, yeah, the, the when you get something like that, you you got to make it so that your main audience is actually seeing the stuff. <laughs> Definitely you do. I, I do want to just kind of give people a little bit of an idea right now. Think about um, the heels in the other companies right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the NWA, who do you have as heel? Like... Um, you know, maybe um, he hasn't been around for a while, but Josephus, yeah, you know, was was a, a big heel there. Um, let's look at WWE. We're looking like Baron Corbin is supposed to be that big heel right now. <laughs> um, a very comedic type of whatever uh, is going on there. Yeah. Um, Aaron Stevens, NWA, um, you know, kind of playing that heel role as well. Um Impact, who do we have as, as heel over there, right? Jordan Grace. Like, um, no, I'm just I, kidding. <laughs> Richards, Davey Richards, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, I mean, all of these guys really, like, they're supposed to be the heels mm-hmm. of this company uh, and really are not holding a candle at all oh. to what MJF is doing. So, yeah. yeah. You, you kind of have to take it in that respect. Look at what the other companies are doing with their quote-unquote heels, and then take a look at what MJF is doing. Yeah, and especially over in the WWE side of things, with Raw and SmackDown especially, you see a lot of confusion about, uh, hey, are they the heel or are they a good guy? And even just to make a reference from TLC, uh, Charlotte's entrance, uh, watch that and tell me that that's, a, that's not a heel entrance, and even though she's supposed to be a, a good character. Um there's just so much confusion going on there that uh, at this point with the, the main roster WWE stuff, I don't know who's good guy and bad guy anymore. I honestly don't know. Yeah, it's just so blurred, and I'm yeah. loving that MJF is not blurred at all. You and, know that he's the bad guy. He, and, and he elicits the proper response from the crowd, which is so hard to do right now in the world of professional wrestling. You get some of these guys like uh, the Fina went out. He's supposed to be the ultimate bad guy, and the crowd is cheering. Whereas uh, you get MJF, uh, he elicits that uh, th- those boos louder than anybody in the, in the business right now. So, yeah, well done. Very well done. Okay, before we do our show starter segment for this week, Carl, let's do our match of the week. Uh, you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Sure, I'll go first. This one uh, might take people by a little bit of surprise here. Um, for myself, we're looking from NWA into the fire. Mm. Um, I'm talking... Ricky Starks, Aaron Stevens, and Colt Cabana in a three-way for the NWA National Championship. Um, Just a really good classic mix of 
uh, good professional wrestling, a little bit of high fly, a little bit of comedy. It just seemed to have a little bit of absolutely everything. Some good showboaty stuff going on from like Aaron Stevens, um, you know, Cole Cabana jumping into Stevens, uh, stomping him in the corner. Um, it just, you know, there was a little bit of a slow pace starting out and then it got quicker and then, you know, uh, middle rope flying crossbodies, and then just a whole plethora of stuff going on that really didn't yeah. seem as though it was not needed. It like everything had its point, everything had its place, everything was just so well done in this. Um, even, you know, like a little bit of outside interference, the question mark coming and making, you know, a little bit of, uh, uh, his presence known in there as well with Colt Cabana on the outside, um, Aaron Stevens getting the pinfall and the win over, uh, both Colt Cabana and, uh, Starks there and becoming the new NWA national champion, um, coming off of the heels of him saying, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going on to uh, Hollywood. I'm going on to yeah. do these, uh, um, not even B-rated, but like D-rated films. Um, you know, it just just everything that's been happening in the NWA right now, and especially with 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 these guys too. Like this has just been phenomenal to see. So question mark, amazing right now. Aaron Stevens, amazing right now. Cole Cabana, always been an amazing guy, yep. and then Ricky Starks as well, <laughs> uh, really making a name for himself. Everything in this just worked for me, and I was so happy about it. Awesome, good choice. Uh, for myself, my match of the week is going to come from Ring of Honor Final Battle. And uh, I'm talking about the match between Matt Taven and Vincent. Uh, this was my favorite match from the week. Uh, it was my real high point for the week uh, when it comes to matches. Uh, just great physicality, great in-ring work from both guys, great psychology, uh, setting up um, a future storyline there. It just it it, uh, it hit all the marks, uh, pun intended, uh, with that. So yeah, this was great, uh, and it, it's we're setting up more with these guys. Uh, we're, we're setting up Vincent clearly as as the heel here. Matt Taven is clearly the good guy here, and I'm really anxious to see how this is going to all play out going forward. Me too. All of this is going to be very interesting. And as always, people, we go through and when stuff like this happens, when some good stuff, when some bad stuff, when some breaking news all happens, we put it out onto our social media. Make sure you're following us at TB Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to kind of keep up with uh, what we're finding to be very interesting in the world of professional wrestling. Absolutely. Okay, Carl, we're going to take a brief break here, and we're going to come back with an interesting discussion for our Showstopper segment this week. And I will do it kind of like how we uh, did in a previous week here. Well, I'll, I'll get to, well, you know what? Well, we'll just we'll ask a question. This is going to involve promo work when it comes to WWE, so we'll be right back. This week's episode is brought to you by Collar Neville. Visit CollarNevillebrand.com where you can get an additional 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout including this week's featured item, the Mirror Pullover Hoodie. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys, at that favorite time of the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at our show stopper segment. For this week, Carl, I thought we'd uh, talk about an interesting one here. Uh, we had talked a little bit about uh, MJF uh, and his promo work and whatnot. I, th- I think that over there, clearly they're kind of letting him kind of do his own kind of thing there. And this brought 
I think uh, the question, and we've hinted at it several times here, should WWE talent uh, be allowed to do their own promo work? I'm talking, come up with the ideas and, and what to say and whatnot uh, and not have it be governed too much there. I think that when it comes to, I think we need to really look at, okay, you know, this is WWE. This is a publicly traded company and there are some other vested interests and whatnot. I think that... If this were any other company, I would say absolutely let the wrestlers uh, do and kind of say what they what they want within common sense and within reason. But given that this is a, a big publicly traded company, it kind of has to be you know they get they kind of have to filter it and, and kind of watch what they're saying because you know especially nowadays a lot of people get easily offended, so they really need to be careful. And uh, so I, I get the the reasoning for really kind of just doing it for them. Although uh, we know that it kind of has a bit of a negative effect too. It definitely does. And I mean, this, uh, this really boils down to, um, you know, like seasoned veterans Mm -hmm. and, uh, those who are green, I guess you could say. So I just want to take for an, for an example here, we talked about MJF and how he is phenomenal with his promos. Now I'm sure that a lot of that is just coming straight from, from himself. Yeah. Now, if he were to be able to do that in the WWE, there's no issues. I have no complaints about any of that. Everything seems good. Everything is fine. It's not like he's out there, uh, you know, like causing, uh, you know, a whole bunch of F-bombs and stuff like that to be dropped and whatever. He is very good at what he does. Um, You take somebody like Stone Cold, the same thing. He was very good. CM Punk, same thing. Uh, The Miz, even, same thing. He's really good at the promos that he can do, and I love it. But you got to know who can do it and who can't. So that's where performance center and promo classes and even, you know, just, just regular shows, right? Like you have to really know who can do it. And if you're unsure, you need to have that person come, come in and sit down in front of a bunch of people um, and not just management, but have them sit down in front of fellow professional wrestlers and peers as well. And then you cut some promo. And then we have to make a decision from there. Can this person actually do it or do we need to, to write this for him? So for me, that's where it boils down to. You really need to know who your talent is and what they can do to allow them to do it. And if you have somebody that can do it, let them go out there and do it because they are only going to help and enhance your product yep. as opposed to a writer who is a soap opera writer. Um, or, you know, any other type of writer, a a children's book writer or something like that, writing a promo for a guy who can cut such a better promo. And and you can, at least I know I can, I know you can as well, anybody that's been following the business for a long time, you can really spot those who are naturals at it and those that are having it all written for them. And it's almost like they're reading off of cue cards. Um, You know, one person that's always been really, really guilty of that, I think is Roman Reigns, uh, a guy that... Yeah, they they you could tell that a lot of stuff is really being written for him. I think recently they maybe have kind of backed off on that a little bit. I mean, and in most cases, if you just let somebody be who they kind of naturally are, even if it's turned up or down in either direction, whether it comes to good or bad, you know, that's where you can get some really good results. And but quite frankly, there are some that just aren't good at it whatsoever. Definitely, you're right. There are some people that just are not good yeah. at it at all. So don't let them. Yeah. Write it for them. And make sure that they're actually practicing it, that they're learning it, you know, stuff like that. I would rather it be learned and done well 
than for it to not be done well at all. So there are so many uh, wrestlers that are, that are great talents in the ring. Like when it comes to the physicality, being able to work in there, but just can't, they just don't have that aspect of their, of their game, so to speak, that, that when it comes to promo works, and those are the ones that end up having to have some type of manager or mouthpiece that talks for them. And uh, that's usually the, uh, the way to, to get out of that situation. And it's been like that for a long time as well. And I totally get that. Like, I mean, if somebody needs to have that mouthpiece for them, take Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is phenomenal on that microphone and always has been. Brock Lesnar, not so much. (laughs) So let him be that mouth, let, uh, you know, Paul Heyman be that mouthpiece for Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar is probably uh, touted as one of the most dominant professional wrestlers in the business ever. So... He never had to do really any talking for himself. He had that mouthpiece to do it. So that's where you need to really learn and draw those lines. Um, That was perfect. And I'm okay with with there being mouthpieces. That perfectly fine. I mean, how many times did we have like Jimmy Hart being a mouthpiece or Bobby Heenan being a mouthpiece, you know, stuff like that. I'm okay with that. Definitely. Yeah, and then there's also the approach to, you know, when you get guys like The Undertaker and uh, guys like, uh, well, originally Rusev was, you know, guys that, that may be, you know, good talkers, but the persona is that they're, they're like that silent, deadly type of character, and the other person just kind of talks on their behalf to kind of get the point across, and the other guy just out there just doing the physicality. That's right. So there's that approach as well. So, and there's really it's tough and then sometimes you see kind of mismatches that happen where maybe somebody who is a good talker has a manager talking for them and it feels kind of weird so hey yeah wrestling just like anything else is imperfect and sometimes mistakes are made uh, but the important thing is to to recognize that something is happening or something is a mistake and then making it right there are some guys that have some people talking for them when you should just let them just talk for themselves and that is something that has been happening for so long. And yes, I mean, we, we totally understand that. Um, I think what it really boils down to, as I mentioned before, is that we really need to have a group of um, backstage people, uh, people who have, who have been there and done, road dog Jesse James, right? Another guy who can get on that mic, you know, and he can really do things. Um, have him as, you know, vocal coach, I guess you could even say, or promo coach, right? And you have a promo that you want to cut, you need to bring it through Jesse James first. You need to bring it to Road Dog. You need to, you know, discuss things with him. Um, and then he can even have a group of peers behind him as well that, you know, they can all be taken to. And, you know, a little bit of the... uh final say can come from road dog you know like because we know that he's still with the company he's still working with the company he's still doing backstage he's in gorilla like he's he's there to do all of this give him that little bit of extra responsibility because he's somebody who can cut those promos on his own without having to be scripted and i'm sure that that the knowledge that he has he is a great mind for the business mm-hmm. he would be able to really differentiate and and kind of give that final yes or no yeah absolutely uh before we do go just uh, i think one last uh piece of kind of breaking news i didn't really have in the run uh definitely worth uh, mentioning um we had mentioned i believe it was last week that uh, sinkara had been uh, released from wwe um, some very interesting, uh, very interesting thing happened. He a- appeared on a, from what I could see, it was a televised triple A um, show. 
he not only appeared as the Sin Cara character, but he is seemingly now in breach of this 90-day no-compete no clause. So not only is he using the name and the likeness, um, yeah, just he's competing before he supposedly is supposed to be able to. Um, there likely could be some legal ramifications here from what I'm seeing. There definitely could be, and... Um... Yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to kind of step back and, and watch this and see how this all unfolds and what's really going to happen with it. Um, honestly, for the WWE to go out there and have to pay for these lawyers and have to do all of this to, you know, kind of have any type of legal ramification against Sin Cara, who wasn't making much with the company anyways, yeah. is it really going to be worth it for them to go yeah. through all of this? Or is this just going to kind of be a, well, guess what? Because you broke contract and because you broke that non-compete clause, um, you're no longer welcome in the WWE and just leave it at that. Yep, or just say that you've given up the rights to your royalties or something like that. But, I mean, going too far with legal matters. Like I said, nothing against Sankara, but, I mean, there just really isn't a whole lot on the line there to begin with, to be, to be very frank and very honest there. That's right. So yeah, it kind of is what it is, and I say just kind of just leave it alone. I don't think it's, honestly, I don't think it's worth the, all the legal issues at this point. I don't either. Okay, Carl. I think that about wraps up for this week. It was, it was a pretty busy week in uh, the world of professional wrestling, as it usually is. And um, we'll, we'll see what happens next week, and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. That's right, guys. Stick with us. Make sure that you're following us on our social media. We've already given that to you at TB Talk Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And make sure that you're listening to us. There's a number of different ways to do that. We're on Podbean. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on iTunes. We're on CastBox. Check out any of those podcatchers out there. We're all over the place here, people. Make sure that you're following us. So very happy to be on here once again with you, Big Joe, this week. And Christmas is coming up. It is. So, people, if you're looking for an amazing gift for you to give to your professional wrestling fan, make sure you go to collarandelbowbrand.com. There are links at our social media pages that you can click on that will take you right to the store. Go and take a look at all the stuff that's over there. Amazing merchandise from Al Snow, who created the company Collar and Elbow Brand. Use our promo code JKPODCAST. Yes, that's right. J like Joe, K like Carl, and podcast at the checkout and get 10% off your entire order. Not only are you saving money, but it helps us out as well. And you're getting some amazing gifts for those that love professional wrestling. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, this uh, episode will be coming out uh, tomorrow. Uh, it will be released. And then later on in the week, too, if you're a fan of technology, uh, check out uh, hashtag HTMTech with myself and Money Mike. Uh, we talked some interesting topics this week. Uh, most notably, we're talking about these uh, smart uh, grocery stores and shopping places that are basically almost kind of going human-free, all automated and whatnot. And, of course, we're going to be talking the, uh, the video game awards and lots of other stuff uh, there, so make sure and check that out as well. Okay, and we will see you guys on the next one. Have a nice day. It's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows. We have content, especially led up by the flagship show, Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find that all at HittingTheMarks.com. Run. Right.